This is section thirty seven of Mark Twain, a biography. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mark Twain, a biography by Albert Bigelow Payne. Volume one, part one, eighteen thirty five to eighteen sixty six. Chapter thirty seven. The New Estate. It was the afternoon of a hot, dusty August day when a worn, travel stained pilgrim drifted laggingly into the office of the Virginia City Enterprise, then in its new building on C Street, and loosening a heavy roll of blankets from his shoulders, dropped wearily into a chair. He wore a rusty slouch hat, no coat, a faded blue flannel shirt, a navy revolver. His trousers were hanging on his boot tops. A tangle of reddish-brown hair fell on his shoulders, and a mass of tawny beard, dingy with alkali dust, dropped halfway to his waist. Aurora lay one hundred and thirty miles from Virginia. He had walked that distance, carrying his heavy load. Editor Goodman was absent at the moment, but the other proprietor, Dennis E. McCarthy, signified that the caller might state his errand. The wanderer regarded him with a far-away look, and said absently, and with deliberation, my starboard leg seems to be unshipped i'd like about one hundred yards of line i think i am falling to pieces then he added i want to see mr barstow or mr goodman my name is clemens and i've come to write for the paper it was the master of the world's widest estate come to claim his kingdom. William Wright, who had won a wide celebrity on the coast as Dan de Quill, was in the editorial chair and took charge of the new arrival. He was going on a trip to the States soon. It was mainly on this account that the new man had been engaged. The Josh letters were very good, in Dan's opinion. He gave their author a cordial welcome and took him around to his boarding-place. It was the beginning of an association that continued during Samuel Clemens' stay in Virginia City, and of a friendship that lasted many years. The Territorial Enterprise was one of the most remarkable frontier papers ever published. Its editor-in-chief, Joseph Goodman, was a man with rare appreciation, wide human understanding, and a comprehensive newspaper policy. Being a young man, he had no policy, in fact, beyond the general purpose that his paper should be a forum for absolutely free speech, provided any serious statement it contained was based upon knowledge. His instructions to the new reporter were about as follows. Never say we learn so-and-so, or it is rumored, or we understand so-and-so. We go to headquarters and get the absolute facts then speak out and say it is so-and-so in the one case you are likely to be shot and in the other you are pretty certain to be but you will preserve the public confidence goodman was not new to the west he had come to california as a boy and had been a miner explorer printer and contributor by turns early in sixty one when the comstock load named for its discoverer henry t p comstock a half-crazy miner who realized very little from his stupendous find 
was new and virginia in the first flush of its monster boom he and dennis mccarthy had scraped together a few dollars and bought the paper it had been a hand-to-hand struggle for a while but in a brief two years from a starving sheet and a shanty the enterprise with new building new presses and a corps of swift compositors brought up from san francisco had become altogether metropolitan as well as the most widely considered paper on the coast it had been borne upward by the comstock tide though its fearless picturesque utterance would have given it distinction anywhere goodman himself was a fine forceful writer and dan de quill and r m daggett afterward united states minister to hawaii were representative of enterprise men the comstock of that day became famous for its journalism associated with the virginia papers then or soon afterward were such men as tom fitch the silver-tongued orator alf doten w j forbes c c goodwin h r mcgells clement t rice arthur mcgewen and sam davis a great array indeed for a new territory samuel clemens fitted precisely into this group he added the fresh rugged vigor of thought and expression that was the very essence of the comstock which was like every other frontier mining camp only on a more lavish more overwhelming scale there was no uncertainty about the comstock the silver and gold were there flanking the foot of mount davidson the towns of gold hill and virginia and the long street between were fairly underburrowed and underpinned by the gigantic mining construction of that opulent lode whose treasures were actually glutting the mineral markets of the world the streets overhead seethed and swarmed with miners mine owners and adventurers riotous rollicking children of fortune always ready to drink and make merry as eager in their pursuit of pleasure as of gold comstockers would always laugh at a joke the rougher the better the town of virginia itself was just a huge joke to most of them everybody had money everybody wanted to laugh and have a good time the enterprise comstock to the backbone did what it could to help things along it was a sort of free ring with everyone for himself goodman let the boys write and print in accordance with their own ideas upon any subject often they wrote of each other squibs and burlesques which gratified the comstock far more than mere news the indifference to news was noble none the less so because it was so blissfully unconscious editors mark or dan would dismiss a murder with a couple of inches and sit down and fill up a column with a fancy sketch arthur McEwen. it was the proper classroom for mark twain an encouraging audience and free utterance fortune could have devised nothing better for him than that he was peculiarly fitted for the position unspoiled humanity appealed to him and the comstock presented human nature in its earliest landscape forms furthermore the comstock was essentially optimistic so was he any hole in the ground to him held a possible even a probable fortune his pilot memory became a valuable asset in news-gathering remembering marks banks sounding and 
other river detail belonged apparently in the same category of attainments as remembering items and localities of news he could travel all day without a notebook and at night reproduce the day's budget or at least the picturesqueness of it without error he was presently accounted a good reporter except where statistics measurements and figures were concerned these he gave a lick and a promise according to de quille who wrote afterward of their associations de quille says further mark and i agreed well in our work which we divided when there was a rush of events but we often cruised in company he taking the items of news he could handle best and i such as i felt competent to work up however we wrote at the same table and frequently helped each other with such suggestions as occurred to us during the brief consultations we held in regard to the handling of any matters of importance never was there an angry word between us in all the time we worked together de quille tells how clemens clipped items with a knife when there were no scissors handy and slashed through on the top of his desk which in time took on the semblance of a huge polar star spiritedly dashing forth a thousand rays the author of roughing it has given us a better picture of the virginia city of those days and his work there than anyone else will ever write he has made us feel the general spirit of affluence that prevailed how the problem was not to get money but to spend it how feet in any one of a hundred mines could be had for the asking how such shares were offered like apples or cigars or bonbons as a natural matter of courtesy when one happened to have his supply in view how any one connected with a newspaper would have stocks thrust upon him and how in a brief time he had acquired a trunk full of such riches and usually had something to sell when any of the claims made a stir on the market he has told us of the desperadoes and their trifling regard for human life and preserved other elemental characters of these prodigal days the funeral of buck fanshaw that amazing masterpiece is a complete epitome of the social frontier it would not be the part of wisdom to attempt another inclusive presentation of comstock conditions we may only hope to add a few details of history justified now by time and circumstances to supplement the picture with certain data of personality preserved from the drift of years end of chapter thirty seven the new estate read by john greenman